This is the Santita Jackson Show. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It's a joy to be with you today. We've got a quick-moving show today. Well, our shows always move quickly according to you. It's a joy to be with you. Uh, oh, just can you believe we're so close to Christmas? Oh, the Mass of Christ. And, of course, it's the holy season for so many of our brothers and sisters of faith. But today is December 7th. December 7th. Uh, notable to me for a couple of reasons because of Pearl Harbor. Of course, that happened in 1941. That is the event in which uh, the Pearl Harbor military base in Hawaii, uh, which was not yet a state, but it was a territory, well, it was bombed. And that, of course, brought us into the Second World War and changed world history. And then, of course, I was speaking with my oldest friend in the world, Claudette Evans Pye, Reverend Clay Evans' daughter. We've been together since I was two, she was four. Uh, we, we buried her father four years ago today, the iconic Pastor Clay Evans. Wow. Wow. Miss him every day. Miss him every day. I think of him and his wife and, and his daughters, Diane and Faith. Think of them every single day they are. And always will be family to me. And I'm just thanking God that we have been together this long. Have been together this long. So everybody, let's get right to it. We've got to talk about several of the most powerful uh, Israeli and Israeli-American lobbying organizations which are coming together to fight disinformation about the Israel-Hamas war. That's what they're saying. Now, is it, are they fighting disinformation, or is this another strain of propaganda? We're going to be talking with Ari Blumkatz, uh, the editor of In These Times magazine, about that. And then, do you think that, you, that only the wealthy can have a financial planner? If you do, uh, that is incorrect. One of my sponsors, Megan Financial, uh, they specialize in looking at people in unions, working class, and, uh, and middle class people. And I want you to hear them out, because whether you're in a union or not, if you are working class or middle class, they can help you to plan your future, no matter what time it is in your life. No matter what time it is in your life. The earlier the better, of course, but at no matter what time it is in your life, they can help you. They will be your financial planners. You know how wealthy people have a money person? Well, you too can have one. So we're going to talk about that. And then, of course, Dr. Max Wolf will talk about what's up with this down economy. We do know that it is really pounding President Biden in the polls. So Bidenomics, I mean, how and how are you making it? Many people are charging groceries. I mean, you tell me, how is how's the economy working out for you? Call me at 773-763-9278-773-763 WCPT. And and just overall, let me know what's on your mind in terms of the news. What is the what is the issue that is top of mind for you? That's my question today. Call me at 773. I don't care what we're talking about. You let me know what issue for you is really, really driving you. What is something that really occupies your mind? 
What is it? Let's get to some of these headlines. Three people were killed in a shooting, yet another, at the University of Nevada and Las Vegas. A gunman opened fire on campus yesterday before he was killed by the police, according to officials. A fourth victim was critically injured but is in stable condition. Police said they know the identity of the gunman, but they have not yet released his name or the motive. I wish they would release these names and motives. I think you need to know who they are. I think you need to know what their motives are. You're not obscuring anyone. Were they connected to the military? So many of them are. Um, Mental illness, no, that's not it. A lot of people are very angry. Mentally ill people hurt themselves. Angry people hurt others. Remember that. Uh, Four Republican presidential hopefuls sparred in a debate last night. Got a little nasty, but there it was. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, who's leading the second tier. Indeed, Donald Trump is way far ahead of the pack. But um, she took some incoming fire, but most people believe that she won the debate. Florida Governor DeSantis was also part of the debate, as was uh, Vivek Ramaswamy and former New Jersey governor Chris Christie. Former white, former House Speaker, wow, he has, uh, Kevin McCarthy, will be leaving the U.S. House of Representatives, like Paul Ryan before him, like John Boehner. What is up with the House and, and the speakers? As soon as they can get out of there, they run for the hills. He wants to, quote, serve America in new ways, close quote. He said yesterday the California Republican was ousted as speaker in October after a revolt by hard right members. The same thing happened to John Boehner. And Paul Ryan, what's going on within the party? What's going on in the House of Representatives? He'll he'll leave office at the end of the month, but a special election to fill his seat may not happen until summer. Wow. Narrowing the House Republican majority until then. Republicans yesterday blocked a vote to advance a national security bill that includes billions of dollars in Ukraine aid. What do you think about that? Six pro-Trump electors were charged in Nevada yesterday, claiming to be presidential electors in 2020 and submitting certificates to Congress falsely stating that Trump won the election in Nevada. I want you to call me at 773-763-9278-773-763-WCPT. 773-763-763-WCPT. What is the issue that's really, really, really got you going? It's 40 degrees today. That will be the high. It will be cloudy in Chicago. 44 degrees, partly sunny in Minneapolis, St. Paul. In the NBA tonight, the Hornets will be facing off against Chicago in Chicago. The Spurs will be facing off against Minnesota in Minnesota. There was no NFL activity last night. In the NHL, the Predators 4, Chicago 3, the Wild 5, the Flames 2. And those are just some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. So, everybody, let's talk. Let's talk with Pastor Darius Brooks. Pastor Brooks, um, before you give us the good news, I want you to tell us about all this food that you've been passing out particularly in this season, but you do it throughout the year, thankfully, um, at Grace Central Church uh, in Westchester, Illinois. How are you doing today? I am great, Grant. Santita, I'm so awesome. And Grace Central Church, 10216 South Kitchener Street, Westchester, Illinois. We had a full day uh, two weeks ago, last week, and then just on this Tuesday, they were around the corner. Oh, my goodness. It's almost like we are grocery store. Feeding people that's really hungry. Santita, I'm so excited. Great Central Church, 
10216 South Kitchener Street, Westchester, Illinois, every Tuesday from 5 till 7, and Wednesdays from noon till 2. For seniors, so they won't be out in the evening. And y'all, we give food. We don't get no peanut butter, jelly, and crackers. Great Central Church, GreatCentral.net, or Great Central 10216 South Kitchener Street, Westchester, Illinois. Every Tuesday from 5 till 7, and on Wednesdays from, for seniors from noon till 2. And Peter, this morning I'm excited about getting into the good news. And uh, congratulations on all that you do, really, really, really. Uh, oh. um, and loving the way God is doing some things in your heart with the radio station. More than you'll ever know, people are watching and people are listening to you. I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. This morning I want to talk to uh, uh, you guys about... Um, it may be held down, but it won't be held back. Second uh, Thessalonians 2 and 7, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now holdeth back will hold back until the taking of him is out of the way. And what the word of God is saying is about you don't have to worry about wrong. It's going to take care of itself. You don't, you don't have to worry about you not paying your bills. They're going to go away on its own. I told somebody the other day, people of God, listen, don't, you don't have to do nothing crazy. Don't take care of your teeth. They'll go away on their own. <laughs> when you're dealing mm-hmm. with situations and with problems in life, don't you worry about the crazy stuff. It's going to happen on its own. That's what Thessalonians is talking about today. But the one who holds back or the one who don't let that stuff uh, take its place will move those things out the way. But the one who let those things stay there, the only way good stuff is going to happen is Santita, put your seatbelt on as I get ready to close. Sometimes God has to permit what he hates to create what he loves. So when we have something in store and God knows he got to produce it through us, even sometimes when we're in the way, he'll move us out the way in order for that thing to produce. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but I'm talking to somebody. Sometimes a lot of our challenges are not the problems. It's the way we're viewing ourselves in context of what we're doing. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, God said. We can make some of the best decisions and choices in life. Somebody said we could turn lemons into lemonade. In the New Testament, he used messages, a cloud of fire, to put over the Israelites' head to lead them in the precise direction that they was going to when they could not see for themselves. People of God, it's called trusting God. He speaks to us every day. So do not be alarmed by what's happening. Even if it's out of your hands, trust God. Every messenger, he speaks to you about your personal situation because people speak when God is speaking to us and you and me. Normally, people speak to what we're really dealing with. Sometimes you can hit some good stuff and it don't protect the way you are in life. Now, that's good stuff. But when God is speaking, he only speaks to our personal place and space, which is our spirit. Here, he sends messages all day long. What did you hear yesterday? What did you hear the day before? What's in your head right now that's bothering you? That it won't be held down. It won't. It may be held down, but it won't be held back because you're going to use what God told you to do. that because you know the thing is it is a personal relationship that you do have 
It is a personal relationship. And so God will speak to you personally. Let me ask you this. How are you dealing with, uh, you know, this is the time of year when suicides go up. I mean, people feel a lot of joy, but they also feel a lot of despair. Pastor Darius Brooks. Um, Do you see that? How do you deal with that? And I'm going to ask Alex to continue to keep me on mute because I think that people need to hear this because sometimes, you know, what do you say and then what should we do if we feel that someone's going through a really hard time in this this particular season? Continue the word of God says many are called, few are chosen, but those I chose are qualified, justified, and sanctified. God for something, people, just in general, God will orchestrate events to move you in his will. In other words, when you are dealing with situations for real and you say, God, ask me, God, I need you. Come, If you do it for real, God knows how to orchestrate people, places, and things, watch this, that literally and figuratively will come to your rescue to help you. you got to be honest in your heart. The suicide thing is the easy part. Uh, when people want to just go up and throw in a towel, that's the easy part. The essential mystery is to want God's direction in your life so he can say, okay, got you not, because he's not going to bombard us to come in. we got to say, God, I need you. Open up to surrender. Uh, uh, once we do this in a real way, God will never let us down. I give them the answers to suicide. Suicide is not the answer. It never have been the answer, and it never will be the answer. The answer is whoever you are and you're seeking help, God is here. Seek help. Go to a therapist. Go to a friend. Go to somebody. And they're out there. I know often it's hard because we don't think that somebody will hear us, or often we don't want to share it with someone. But the, 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 to ask in the Bible, it means to produce. To ask means to go after in translation. To ask means I don't like this. I need somebody to show me how to do this. I don't like this. Ask means to reach out or to ask someone to do something or ask God to do it. And watch this. Even if the people that you don't want to help you are in front of you, God. Since I walk up to people in stores and I'll share with them what God put on my heart. And like yesterday, it was a couple there. And I said, I don't know you, but God said, this is your your wife, so don't take her for granted. But, you know, the girl didn't start crying, Santita, the guy did. And and when I left and I went and paid for their stuff, I went to the car in the parking lot, and the girl walked up to me. She was like Israeli or something, and she said, you know, I was wondering if he loved me. So you ain't got to worry about that. He'll do it. People of God, God will orchestrate events to move you in his will. Whoever you are that's dealing with suicide, Reach out and don't don't think it's going to come your way. It's going to come another kind of way. God is really God. He's not a joke or a game. He's not religious. He's not that like we've been taught. It, like when you said a personal thing, when you're driving in your car, whoever I'm talking to, if you're driving in your car, you're by yourself. If you're listening to Santita right now, just say an honest, sincere prayer. My phone number at church is 708-344-5020. Call me anonymously. Tell, call me. I promise you, if you call me, I'll show you that the day after you think you want to commit suicide, it'll get better. I, you better hear the words that are coming out. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and to destroy. And whoever he can get in their heads and hearts about taking their lives, that's what his goal is. Whoever you are, 
I tell Grace Central this, if what if suicide is not of God, if I, I just tell the truth at Grace Central. He says, I've come that you may have life and it more abundantly. Find someone you can talk to, 708-344-5020, 708-344-5020. Call me. I don't care if it's 50, 100. I promise you, you give me, give me a couple of days and I'll show you the day that you think you want to commit suicide. The day after, I'm going to show you when it's going to get better. And I'm going to tell you, even if you're not a believer, because I'm sensitive to the fact that there are, for a whole lot of reasons, a lot of people who say they don't believe and a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. What what I try to do with this good news for everybody is to give mm-hmm. you something, well, you know, to give to give something to hold on to, because, I, because I've been confronted about that. You know, I do that. And then I know a lot of people, some people have been turned off by the church for one reason or another, and I get that. Mm-hmm. I get Mm -hmm. that, but I know that you cannot, church is not the only place where you find hope Mm -hmm. and faith Mm -hmm. and love. And you said something that was important, Santita. You said believing is not about church. Hope is not about church. Faith is not about church. Santita and people, whoever you are, that's what has messed up a lot of people. God is not Mm -hmm. church. God is spirit. And he talks and speaks to our spirit. And because we, I often say, if you think education is expensive, you should try ignorance. Or the most dangerous place Mm -hmm. in the world is sincere ignorance. It's sincere ignorance. The most dangerous place in the world is sincere ignorance. God uses everything to help us. We just think it's church. Now, majority of the time, it's the good news, but you got to think churches are just like hospitals. You got good ones and bad ones. Churches are just like police. You got a good cop, a bad cop, a good sure. doctor, a bad cop. Y'all please. But you know but, but, God's but, 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 but I can appreciate if that's not your thing. Even if you are, because my, my, my mother's mother, church was not her thing, but she was someone who deeply, deeply believed in God. And I just want everyone to understand that there are many, many ways, many, many ways to go with this. But I want you to receive the good news because that's what it is. It's good news. That's all it is. I want your heart to be lighter today. I love you, Pastor. Pastor, tell me how we can worship with you very quickly. Grace Central Church, 10216 South Kitchener Street, Westchester, Illinois, every Sunday from 1030 till noon. And you can also watch us on YouTube, Tuesdays from 7. So great words. Stuff like what you're talking about is what Pastor I teach Darius on Brooks. strongly. Yep. Pastor Darius Brooks, everybody. Love you, Pastor Brooks. I love you. <laughs> Let us talk about the 107 Project. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Uh, the information wars on the Israel-Hamas war uh, are ratcheting up. Let's talk about it with Ari Bloomcats, the editor of In These Times magazine. Back in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. I mean, the Israel-Hamas war is heating up, but so is information about it or propaganda about it. It really depends upon how you look at it. There are some of the most powerful groups uh, in the country are now coming together, Jewish groups, and they are saying, hmm, 
we are going to counter the misinformation. I mean, and this is APAC. Uh, excuse me, the American Jewish Committee, uh, Committee, the Jewish Federations of North America, the Anti-Defamation League, well, APAC, the Conference of Major American Jewish Organizations, they are among the most powerful Jewish interest groups in the country. and They've come together to launch something called the 10-7 Project. And so the question is, what is the 10-7 Project? Uh, what will they be putting forth? And really, at the end of the day, Ari Bloomcats. Uh, is it truth? Call us at 773-763-9278, executive editor of In These Times magazine. I did not know that you had been at Chikun. One of our favorite oh, yeah. people in the world. That's That's been his spot. We love our rabbi. Love him. Oh, Oh, oh my gosh. Excellent. I was like, wait a minute. I knew I loved you for a reason. What? What? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh my oh, gosh. Excellent. Oh, oh no, no. We go all the way back. Me and my father go back, wow, like, more than 50 years. But talk to me. Oh, what amazing. is? Oh, yeah. I said, oh, I knew I liked this guy for a reason. Uh, <laughs> there was much more to it, much more to it. Tell me, what is the 10-7 Project? And um, what are they intending to do? Who's involved? I mean, I named these organizations. Maybe you should give us some context so we can know who the ADL are. We had Leslie Williams on earlier in the week saying, wait a minute, and there's a lot of pushback on them being a civil rights organization. People are saying, no, they're not. Um, uh, you know, APAC, there's a lot of pushback on them as they push back on progressive candidates. Uh, the... Jewish federations of North America, they tend to be conservative. They tend to be mainstream. But who are they, and what are they intending to do? Yeah, um, thanks so much for um, having me on, Cynthia, and good morning. And, you know, this um, 10-7 project and the um, organizations that are behind it, um, you know, this is a really um, interesting um, development. Um, these are a very major um, establishment, legacy Jewish uh, organizations in the United States. We've got the American Jewish Committee. We've got the Jewish Federations. We have the ADL. We have APAC. We have the Conference of Presidents um, of uh, major American Jewish organizations. And, you know, their supposed aim is to fight disinformation. Um, and what is, you know, of course, the irony here is that these are the groups that have been issuing the most disinformation uh, for uh, this whole entire time, since October 7th. And what I see them doing here, um, I, I see this representing several things. And one of the things that I see this representing is these organizations and the pro-Israel and the Israel at cost um, organizations and movement in the United States trying to shift and maintain the battleground of the uh, of the debate here to be won over language, to be a battleground over this fact versus that fact, this word versus that word. And I believe these organizations in the pro-Israel movement feels that as long as they can keep that the battleground, as long as they can keep that the focus, then they can keep people distracted and engaged in these debates in a way that provides cover for the pro-Israel camp 
and for the war and for the pro-war camp. And it's a, a very direct way of trying to combat calls for a ceasefire. And in a lot of ways, this actually represents some real desperation of the pro-war camp. They realize that they do not have the American public on their side. They know that the American public overwhelmingly wants the ceasefire, overwhelmingly wants the ceasefire. And so they're getting together and trying to figure out what to do. How do we keep support for this war up? How do we keep focus on it up? And one of the things that they've come to here is, okay, if we can keep the focus on 10-7 and just 10-7 and push the narrative about just 10-7, and that's one of the explicit things that's, uh, that's the directive of this group is to uh, you know, promote and continuously publish narratives um, about 10-7. They feel that if that can be the focus and they can distract from the focus of this genocide that's happening, of the, of the thousands and thousands of children who um, have died and are going to die because of the Israeli violence, then they can provide cover for the, for the pro-war movement right now. They can provide cover for the Israeli government right now. And they can provide cover for all of the politicians in the U.S who do not have the courage in this moment to call for a ceasefire. We're talking with Ari Blumkent, uh, the executive editor of In These Times magazine, Support Them, They Support You. Uh, is this so you're saying that this is yet another front in the propaganda war? Because that's not, you know, of course, that's not the PR on it. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a um, it's an extreme move in the propaganda war right now, and you know another thing it represents to me. I mean, it represents several things. You know, one of which is you know the the inclusion of APAC in this group is a really you know interesting um, and scary um, inclusion in so many ways. And you know, we have to remember that. You know, APEC um, Political Action Committee, you know, not so long ago endorsed dozens of Republicans who refused to certify Joe Biden as president. Um, they um, endorsed um, people like Jim Jordan and Scott Perry. Um, Scott Perry of Pennsylvania, you know, openly supports um, the Great Replacement Theory. Um, you know, Jim Jordan of Ohio, um, you know, is extremely um, conservative as well. And so, you know, David Grossman um, on Twitter pointed this out, that what we're seeing here is now an alignment of the major Jewish organizations in the U.S. aligning themselves with pro-January 6th um, organizations and movements. And that tells us something really, really interesting. That tells us something really scary, which is that these major Jewish organizations are willing to align themselves with such a right-wing movement as, you know, pro-January 6th folks um, in in, uh, exchange for um, trying to push a pro-war, pro-Israel agenda right now. What? But why are they... We do, traditionally one does not associate uh, 
I guess the Jewish position with being right wing. But the fact is, you know, the Jewish, com- the Jewish community is not monolithic. You do have a right wing. You and I were sharing uh, just before we came on air. It was the right wing part of that community that came after Reverend Hart in 84 and 88. And really, from, from the time that he... And, you know, just many people after he and Mrs. Jackson went to the Middle East calling for um, peace, calling for Israeli security and Palestinian justice in a time when we did not, you couldn't mention the term Palestinian. Uh, there, uh, I mean, who is, what is this right wing element? And we all have them, Ari. I mean, let's be clear. Yeah. The right wing element is, 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 is is an element that every group has. Tell me about them in the in the Jewish community. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, one of the things that always stick with me is I was watching the video when Donald Trump gave his sort of first big speech at the APAC conference and received a standing ovation from APAC um, and the members that were there. And when I saw that, you know, we had known about APAC and APAC's conservative history for such a long time. But when we saw that, particularly after everything Donald Trump had said and all the xenophobia um, and, uh, you know, prejudice and bigotry that he has been pushing out and was pushing out during the campaign and all these, you know, APAC members got up and applauded him. You know, that told us a lot about the establishment and legacy Jewish uh, institutions in the U.S. Um, But, like, you know, one of the things about these institutions is that, you know, they they go out here and they claim to speak for American Jews. They claim to speak for all American Jews. And that's just laughable. They really don't at all, and their organizations are wildly undemocratic and you know one of the best examples of that for me is when um the uh, workers circle which is a great um you know amazing progressive jewish organization it's led by ann tobak um you know ann tobak in workers circle they pulled out of the conference of presidents and tobak basically said this is an undemocratic place this is not okay. This is not representing us. This is not representing progressives. I'm out. And, you know, and we're out. And, you know, that conference of presidents, they rejected by a secret vote, they rejected J Street. And J Street is a pretty mainstream, in many ways, you know, pretty, like, middle-of-the-road organization. And so none of... The progressive Jewish groups are, you know, part of the Conference of Presidents. There's, um, you know, the Zionist Organization of America, which is headed by Mort Klein, is a um, major figure in the Conference of Presidents. And Mort Klein has been, you know, openly aggressive against Black Lives Matter. Mort Klein's own deputy says he's racist and sexist. Um, You know, I think he, like, once said that dangerous Soros-funded extremist group of haters um, during the 2020 um, George Floyd uprising. The idea that these organizations represent um, Jews, all 
Wiles, and you know, one of the other things about them is that they are largely white organizations, and they do not represent um, or uh, inclusion in the Jewish community. They do not represent the multiracial um, and you know, uh, multi-ethnic um, uh, uh, dimensions of the Jewish communities as well. Um, it's just, I mean, it's laughable when these organizations say they speak for American Jews. But they say that they're trying to shift the narrative because they feel that the narrative is biased against them. Help me with that. Absolutely. Because, well, you and know, initially the corporate media were criticized because they didn't even look at the Palestinians. You know, they're getting bombed to smithereens. They didn't even bring their stories forward. But when you got in the streets, when progressives and with people just got in the streets and you had this march of 300,000 people in Washington and hundreds of thousands of people all over the United States, let alone around the world, you saw the corporate media beginning to kind of shift, even though Mehdi Hassan's been dropped, uh, his show has been dropped, but you know. I don't know. There's just so much going on. Talk to me. What about this? They say they're trying to fight bias in the media against them. Huh? Yeah, yeah, it's so interesting. And, you know, since, you know, like one of the things it makes me think about, and, you know, this is a really tough moment, and it's really sad and infuriating and really enraging um, on so many levels. But there are in this moment also signs of hope and resistance and one of the things for me that has been a real sign of hope is how incredible the ecosystem of left media has been in this moment um and if you don't mind i'd like to some of the left media that's been so critical right now in some of the things we've done so you know over at Truthout and Alani Newland Price over at Truthout, Max Alvarez at the Real News Network, Ariel Angel at Jewish Currents, the whole Jewish Currents crew, the N Plus One crew, Laura Wick and the Prism crew, the uh, folks at Stalawag, um, you know, here in Chicago also, um, Morgan Johnson and the Tribe, um, you know, put out really amazing content. Sarah Lazar of Workday Magazine and Jeff Cherky, uh, Luis Feliz Leon of Labor Notes um, and the Labor Notes crew, Alex Press and the Jacobin crew. Um, there is really exciting in many ways uh, things happening in the left media ecosystem. Uh, right now, people are working in left media harder. Like, people are working around the clock. Um, and hustling. Like, this is our theory of change. And what Pen 7 Project shows me in a lot of ways is that these mainstream uh, um, or, or even, you know, right wing Jewish organizations feel like they are losing the narrative. They but feel isn't like. That what they Jonathan Green, Greenblatt said that? The head of APEC. I, he, in, in a conference call, it is reported that he said, you guys, you're missing this. We're losing the PR war. And it's generational. Do, do you not know the kind of fight that we're fighting? Do you think they know? Because it just seems like Americans have shifted on this. And I, I, I think it's caught people by surprise. 
Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, and, 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 and Greenblatt of the, um, of the, of the ADL um, is the interesting figure here. And I kind of, you know, I was, I was looking at this project pretty closely. Um, and one of the things I was wondering about it was whether or not this formation is also a way for these right-wing um, and, and mainstream Jewish institutions to try and get some amount of control over Greenblatt, because right now he's, for them, acting like the drunk guy at the party that, like, won't stop talking and saying the wrong thing. <laughs> and, like, uh, um, and he's just, like, you know, he's hanging out with Elon Musk, who's spitting all sorts of anti-Semitic rhetoric, and he's going after progressive Jewish groups and calling hate groups. And, like, he's just, like, you know, going, like, wild. And I kind of wonder if this formation, if one of the sort of, like, side effects is the try and get him and his messaging under control um, because the ADL is taking serious hits um, right now and and even from within that, like their own staff is, you know, what the heck is going on here? What, like, like I, I think there's seen resignations, there's seen statements like even from their own staff um, so, you know, I think I, I think they, this is a sign of desperation. This is a sign of, you know, a bunch of, like, folks coming together. I would have loved to be a fly on the wall of some of these Zoom conversations or, uh, uh, or you know, if they were in-person conversations about, okay, what do we do? We are losing all the young people. We are losing the American public. We are losing you know, huge swaths of the Jewish public, like, what are we going to do here? And then they're like, okay, not an idea. Let's just telling people as many pictures and telling as many stories from the massacre on October 7th. And maybe if we do that, maybe if we keep doing that incessantly as much as possible, then people will be distracted from all of this horrible stuff that Israel is doing um, right now. Um, and it's, it's a sign of desperation for me. Well, I mean, but how are they going to counter 16,000 people killed, uh, 1.1 million people who've been asked to go to the south, and they're bombing the south now of Gaza, um, the U.N. has said that this is the most unsafe place in the world to raise a child. Uh, how do you, 90-plus uh, percent of the water is undrinkable. Uh, if, if the bombs don't kill you, the disease will, because they cannot bathe, they cannot use the, the bathroom in a sanitary way. They can't. I mean, how, do you, how do they plan to counter that? That's not a lie. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, these, these organizations and their leaders and their comms department are betting on something that is, frankly, deeply, deeply insulting to all of our American Jewish communities and to the public. And what they're betting on is that we're stupid. 
they're mm-hmm. betting on like us not attention and not caring about sanctity of human life and about us not caring about Palestinians um, and us and they're betting on what they always bet on in a lot of ways, which is that their efforts to dehumanize Palestinians, their efforts to paint uh, the Israeli government violence against Palestinians as some sort of righteous violence, they're betting on that, and they're going to keep pushing on that, but that's not going to happen. And, you know, one of the reasons it's not going to happen is because one of the things we're seeing in this moment is we've got a situation where there are organizations like these organizations on one end that are supporting uh, the war. And we have organizations on the progressive, you know, Jewish left end and the, and the other um, piece um, Jewish left and Jewish uh, mainstream that care about peace and are calling for a ceasefire. And then, you know, we've got some amount of centrists and liberal Zionists um, here. And this is an analysis that um, Rebecca Bill-Comerson and Dania Rajendra um, have been talking about. And what's very important to note here is that there's not a lot of space anymore for centrism or for liberal Zionism. Um, you know, there used to be this thing, um, uh, and this still is in some ways, but there used to be this thing that people would talk about, which is PEP. They would talk about being progressive except for Palestine. Well, that's not possible really anymore. And I think a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of what we're seeing in this moment is that, you know, moving forward, we're going to see some real, um, some more problems, I should say, with anyone that is claiming to be a liberal Zionist, with anyone that's claiming to be progressive except Palestine. Like, that window is narrowing. And so this 10-7 project doesn't really have the constituency to talk to anymore. And in many ways, they're just talking to themselves. Like, I don't know who they think they're talking to. I don't think they know who their propaganda is going to. And, like, you know, and another reason for that is, like, 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 like Santita, if you and I were going to, like, 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 let's say you and I were, like, getting lunch, and we were, like, okay, you know, we both work in media, and, like, we're seeing all this disinformation come out right now. Um, we're seeing the American public you know, leaning one way and it doesn't make sense. You know, like, what are we going to do? You know, I wouldn't, like, talk to you and be like, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to talk to some Jewish friends of mine and we're going to get together and try to combat that. Like, that's a defeatist and, you know, ridiculous strategy. What, you know, we would do is probably be like, okay, we got to get a multiracial, multi-ethnic coalition of media organizations together to really, like, work on this and to really figure this out together because we can't figure this out by ourselves. We can't figure this out, um, like, like, alone. We have to do this 
in solidarity with each other. We have to do this um, as a multiracial, multi-ethnic coalition. And this 10-7 project, which is like, you know, these organizations are largely headed by white men. They're largely mm-hmm. headed by white people. They're largely headed by, you know, right-wing folks. Um, you know, like, they're, they're not pretending to be diverse or, uh, or uh, like, in, in really any way. Ari Bloomcats, everybody, he is on fire. You know, we've got Augie. He's going to talk to us during the break. I know you got to go, but I wanted him to weigh in and give us a comment. Everybody, if you think you need to be wealthy to have a financial planner, you are wrong, wrong, wrong. I want working and middle-class people to listen to Make It Financial in the upcoming block. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. December 7th, the 19th. Excuse me. I was about to say 1941. I, I guess I have Pearl Harbor on my mind today. In 1941, 82 years ago today, uh, the military installation... Uh, Pearl Harbor in Hawaii was attacked by Japan, pushing America into the Second World War. We pray for the families of all those who lost their lives and all those who lost their lives on that day, sending all those families so much love, so much love, even 82 years later. I'm Santita Jackson. It's a joy to be with you today. As we talk about, we've been talking about uh, the 10-7 Project, um, just a new war on the propaganda front, if you will, of the Israel-Hamas war. And we're talking with Dr. Max Wolf about the Biden economy. It is really giving him a fit in terms of his poll numbers. And what's up with the down economy? Everybody, he, everybody keeps saying it's getting better, but are you feeling that? Call me at 773-763-9278. And in spite of a tough economy, you can really set yourself up for financial stability in retirement age, and you don't have to be wealthy to have an investment advisor, to have a financial planner. That is Megan Financial's uh, unique mission, and I cannot wait to speak with them in and Dan Lecky from that uh, corporation in just a moment. But let's get to some of these headlines, everybody. You don't have to be rich to have a financial planner, to have your own money gal or money guy. Uh, let's go to three people who were killed in a shooting at the University of Nevada in Las Vegas, everybody. A gunman opened fire on campus yesterday before he was killed by police. A fourth victim was critically injured but is in stable condition. Four Republican presidential hopefuls, everybody except the front runner, were on stage last night in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, many people say she won the debate. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy and former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie all sparred last night. Border security and gender-affirming care were big issues of the night. Uh, And former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy like John Boehner before him and Paul Ryan before him. He's leaving Congress. He wants to, quote, serve America in new ways. Isn't it interesting? These uh, these uh, speakers who had to deal with a, a very vocal and very powerful hard right, they leave. 
<laughs> they leave. John Boehner left and has not looked back. Paul Ryan left, and they and he has not looked back, and he is joining them. Everybody, uh, he was ousted as speaker in October after a, after a revolt by the hard right. Six pro-Trump electors were charged in Nevada yesterday, claiming to be presidential electors in 2020 and submitting certificates to Congress falsely, falsely stating that Trump won the election in. Nevada. 40 degrees and cloudy in Chicago today. 44 degrees, partly sunny in Minneapolis, St. Paul. In the NBA, the Hornets will be in Chicago tonight playing the Bulls, and the Spurs will be in Minnesota facing off against the Timberwolves. No NFL games last night, shockingly, in the NHL. The Predators 4, Chicago 3, and the Wild 5, and the Flames 2. And those are some of the headlines. Before we go to the headlines, you know I have been looking at how we can become financially free. Uh, Team Hockberg wants to help you. You know, the, the cornerstone for many people of the American dream is home ownership. But the tough part is trying to get that 20% saved. Most people can't do it. They can't. If you cannot afford $400 for a visit to the emergency room, how are you going to save $40,000? How are you going to save twenty? How are you going to save ten? Well, guess what? They have a new approach to homeownership. 1% down. Not 20 not 10, not 5, 1% down if you qualify for this program. I want you to call them at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID. If you are looking to purchase a new home, all you'll need for their program is 1% down. And if your credit is down, you know what, they have a credit card, you load it up, and you pay the bill by the end of the month, and you, you can begin to raise your credit score. Well, up until now, this down payment has been the bane of the existences of those who aspire to home ownership. No more. Team Hockberg now has a plan, a loan to help all of these listeners, everyone within the sound of my, bo- my voice and beyond, your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers, your children, 1% down if you qualify for this program. You can overcome this down payment challenge with this 1% down loan program without private mortgage insurance. That's saving a whole lot of money, everybody, a whole lot of money. So do yourself a favor and call them and ask them about it. You can go to 56david.com and go online and look and click the link and look at the program. But I would advise you to give them a call. There's nothing like talking to a person and explaining your situation and having them explain the program and you can see if it's going to work for you, everybody. Team Hotburg has helped thousands upon thousands keep their homes or be on the road to home ownership. So I want you to call them today at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID, 1% down to own a home. Fantastic. You know what? I bet you you think that you have to be rich. You have to be rich in order to have a financial planner. No, 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 no. What I love about Beckett Financial is that they go to unions where people make middle class and working class salaries, and they say, you know what? I want to be your financial planner. I want to show you how to save and invest and prepare for not only a livable retirement, but a respectable one. It can be done, everybody. Dan Leckie, who is your financial guy over at Megan Financial, joins us today. How you doing, Dan Leckie? I'm great, Santita. How are you? Talk to me. I need some help because whenever I see wealthy people, they talk about their money, their money people, right? 
and their investment Absolutely. advisors. They have private bankers. You know, they don't even go to, even if they go to the bank that we go to, they go to a special room because they have their own people. And you're like, yeah, that's nice, but I want to be your people. Talk to me. What do you do? What is Megan trying to do? Trying to change the game. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> well, we really base our approach on education. You mentioned just a, a couple seconds ago about how we work with union members. And, you know, most of the union members we work with have a pension, and that's going to be guaranteed income for the rest of the member's life. That's game changing. You know, you kind of look at planning for union members and, and planning for, you know, someone like myself who doesn't have a pension. And you want to balance retirement income versus what I call nest egg savings, right? How much have you put away in a 401k or a Roth IRA or some sort of investment vehicle so you're able to live comfortably in retirement? And it really comes down to education, understanding where you're at and what you need to accomplish your goals. And the sooner you start, the, the easier it is. And I also think a big part of it is, is how you live, right? You talk about these people going to the special rooms at the special banks and, you know, and, and that's, that's perfectly fine for them. But not everybody has that uh, ability or want to do that. And so, you know, we're a very down to earth family run business and you know, education is, is the key, is, is looking at everybody individually, analyzing their situation, and, and just working through a, a plan that's going to allow them to be successful in retirement. Do you only work with people who have pensions? No. The, the majority of the people we work with have pensions, but we work with everyone. Well, talk to me. Well, let's, let's disaggregate this. Uh, say someone is making, can you ever make too little money to come to you? Everybody doesn't make no. 70, 80, 90, 100 plus thousand dollars a year. Some people make 50, 40, 30. Is it possible to plan for retirement when you are not breaking the bank, so to speak? Absolutely. I, I mean, anyone can plan for retirement, right? Like, we, we spend a lot of our time these days meeting with, um, you know, 20-something-year-old 20 apprentices with the unions who are starting out in, in that financial range and don't have anything. So we're happy to develop a plan with anyone. But I also think it's important to note that you are going to need you know, some sort of a plan, some sort of a nest egg or source of income. And for the majority of us like me, that's going to be Social Security. And so I get the question all the time, when should I turn Social Security on? And it's really an analytics-based question. Is, is this your only source of income? How much income do you need to live on in retirement? And what does your nest egg li uh, look like? So, yeah, if you're someone who's making thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year, you can still have a retirement plan, but you might need to work a little longer than someone else. But it's still a plan, and it's still a game plan, and it gets you to a place where you're comfortable living while you're no longer working. Do you think 
now that there would, I mean, you say that you might have to work longer. What if you are, how does, how does that work? I mean, how, when do you, do you have a time when you, when you look at someone's nest egg, when you look at their financial situation, and you say, okay, now's the time for you to go into Social Security? Or do you try to have people wait as long as they can before they go into that system? No, I, I think it's definitely a person-by-person situation. So the earliest you can turn Social Security on is going to be age 62. And the latest, it has to be turned on by age 70. And for every year that you wait, that amount goes up roughly by 8%. So you want to take into account what that nest egg is, any other income that a person has, um, You know, maybe you have somebody who's slightly older than their spouse and their spouse is working. You want to look at that whole picture and put that together, combine it with what their needs, wants, and goals are, and come up with that time that makes the most sense. So tell me, help me to understand, what what would you tell someone who's an apprentice, who's making, what, $30,000, $40,000 a year, maybe? how do, what does that initial meeting look like? So, you know, again, and I know I keep hammering on this, it's educa- education, education, education. And well, understanding- let me interrupt you here. I don't think you're hammering on it because most of us are not financially literate, Dan. You know, I mean, most of us don't want to file taxes. It's just, you know, you see all those, you know, I don't you either. see all those, yeah, me either, but, you know, I do it, but, you know, the thing is, you see all those words, and it's like, I've got to pull out all this information, and, oh, it's, most of us don't want, we want to get the check, we want to endorse it, and we want to go on, and what you're doing is stopping people and saying, hey, wait a minute, you need to be much more thoughtful about this, and it's not going to, it's not going to hurt in fact, eventually it will help you. And, and I think some people will think it, it hurts. You know, if you sit down with somebody and you look at their budget and how much they're bringing in each month and how much is going out each month. And that can be a very eye-opening experience for a person. And it can be a rough experience. You know, if, if you're bringing in $2,000 a month, and you sit down and you go through everything and you're spending 3000 a month, obviously we have an issue, right? Most likely you're relying on credit cards and you're going to get yourself into a situation which you just keep digging a bigger hole and it becomes harder to get out of. So I, I think understanding some basic financial principles in just having a direction. You know, it's really hard to tell a 20-year-old, you need to save you know, $500,000 by the time you're 67. You know, that's incomprehensible. You know, no one's going to get that, and you're going to lose. It's a losing battle. But if you can start smaller and say, hey, if you start a Roth IRA now, and you put X amount of dollars away and say we make 5% a year on that for, you know, 40 or 50 years, you're going to have five or six hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. It's just the earlier you start, and the magic, the magic principle in all of this is compound interest, is reinvesting money you make and letting it work for you. That will grow, but the longer you wait, 
that break-even point it gets pushed down decades. So if you can get a 20-year-old to start saving three to $6,000 a year, they're going to be in great shape. What if you are, let me give you a, a challenge, but probably not for I you. Know, I know what's You're coming. Ready. Oh, you come on, get ready for it. You're 40, <laughs> 45, no nest egg. And I say this in this context. Most Americans cannot go to the emergency room. They don't have $400. They don't have $2,000 extra dollars someplace. I mean, most Americans are living really hand to mouth now. What do you say to them? I mean, if you have to go before their union or if you have to go before their group, say, a, a, you know, their professional group or, or their social group, what, what do you say to them? In, in- Obviously, there's a lot of that, right? I mean, there yeah. are a lot of people who, who are check to check, and there isn't that extra to save. And I think it really comes down at that point to what are the living expenses? How are you living? Are, are, you, are, you, are you being frugal enough? And if you are and there's just no extra, you're, you know, that comes to a point where either you know, you're waiting to 70 for Social Security. You can look at that. Do you have the ability to take on, you know, a few extra hours at another job? Can you can you get a, a side hustle? You know what? And it can be anything working at Home Depot, driving an Uber, you know, anything to earn a few extra bucks to give yourself a cushion each month to where if you do need to go to the hospital, you have a couple hundred dollars. If you get a flat tire, you know, you're going to your savings account, your emergency savings account versus swiping the visa card in order to cover those emergency expenses. And once you get in the habit of doing that, even if it's a hundred dollars a month, right, it'll start to add up and they'll start to gain some freedom, some control of their money. One of the biggest things I tell everyone I meet with, and it's the hardest question for any any person to answer, is how much money do you need to live on in retirement? Or how much money do you spend enough, enough or how much money do you spend right now each month to live comfortably the way that you want to live? And the majority of people can't answer that. They don't know. And, and that's okay, right? Money, money in, money out. As long as they balance, people feel comfortable, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's when it doesn't balance and they don't know that. So I'll tell someone to take a, a blank sheet of paper and start on the first of a month. And every time you have an expense or something comes out of your checking account or you use your debit card, just put the date down, the amount, and a short description what it was for. It doesn't have to be a beautiful Excel sheet. It doesn't have to be a fancy application. Just a sheet of paper, put it on a magnet on the fridge, write down all your expenses for a month, and then at the end of the month, add those up. And look at how much you brought in and how much you spent. And if you don't like the way that the numbers look, then you start to dive in those expenses. What could I have avoided? What could I have done differently? And if you do that for two months in a row, I, I really think it helps a person 
gain control of their money. You know where your money's going. And if it's not enough, then you may need to pick up, you know, some extra hours or, or find a, a, another source of income to get that balance out. But it can be done. It just takes hard work. And a lot of people feel, and I, I'm not sure what the right word is, but they feel defeated before they even get in the fight. Yes. I mean, you know, because people are really, I was checking out of the grocery store, and my, my audience have heard me talk about this, and this woman's story, the cashier, her story broke my heart. I was, I looked at my bill, it was just under $100, hadn't even purchased any protein. I said, what is this? And she said, oh, ma'am, I tell you, it just it gets harder and harder for me every month. She said, I've got a teenage son. And I just can't afford, I can barely afford to shop here. I said, well, what do you do? She said, well, sometimes I have to figure out. She said, my son's going to eat first. And when she said that, I said, oh, she's missing meals. I mean, and that is the reality for so many Americans, Dan Blackie. And so, you know, when you come back, yes, I'm preparing for that. I want you to talk about that. You know, as people are having to rob Peter to pay Paul. How they can also plan, because you're telling me, wait a minute, you can pick up another gig. There are other things that you can do to fill in the gaps. And at the same time, begin to plan for your financial future. Am I getting that right? Yes, absolutely. It, you know, it, it, it just, it, it, you know, it, it's almost that, you know, you have to have a moment where you feel defeated enough to put everything down, to, to mm -hmm. put everything out there so you can start to analyze it and, and look at where are my options or how much more do I need to where I'm not in this position? And, you know, the story that you just told is it's awful, right? And, and part of that reason is yeah, the inflation issue that we're going through right now. Mm -hmm. And, we, you know, we are seeing some some improvement with inflation, but I think almost everyone can agree that we're not seeing it at the grocery stores yet. That's one of the biggest, you know, things that is staying inflated. Food is very, very expensive these days. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, when you come back, I want to talk about that. I mean, just how and then maybe you can help us to chart out a financial plan, maybe, you know, for the month. Like what percentage should go to rent? What should I mean? Because many of us don't know we're not financially literate. Could we start there? Absolutely. I'd love to come back and, uh, and delve in a little bit more with specific planning. Yeah, because I think it's because, I mean, the fact is you're now helping me to understand that you actually start with a budget. Like, OK, let's see how much money you're making, how much you get in. What are you putting out? And let's let's have a self correction like right now if you need it dan lecky he is your financial services guru at megan financial what is your number how can we get in touch with you you can reach us at 708-444-1090 or at www.megant.com m-e-g-e-n-t.com and what's that number again 708 444-1090. Okay. I'm reaching out already. I'm going to reach out to Ron Whittingham and see if maybe you can come on next week. Because I think it's something um, people need to hear about regularly. Yes. 
Yes, yes. We'd be happy to do it. Oh, just sending you so much love. Thank you, and uh, blessings to you until the next time. Let's talk with Dr. Max Wolf, everybody, about this economy. I guess we're just talking about the money today, Dan Lecky. <laughs> What's up with the down? It, it all ties together. Ooh, it all oh ties gosh. together. <laughs> it's it's a, ain't nothing going on but the rent. That was a song from years ago. Stay right here on the Santita Jackson Show. Coming up, Dr. Max Wolf. Thank you, Dan Lecky, for Megat Financial. This is Chicago's Progressive Talk, 820 AM, WCPT Willow Springs, and online at WCPT820.com, where facts matter. Hi, I'm Martha Stewart. Every year, more than 4 million pets enter shelters here in the United States. My friends at American Humane have been helping animals since 1877. The goal is to ensure that pets have a safe shelter, especially during natural disasters. Adopting a shelter pet allows shelters to help more animals awaiting care. Please consider adopting today and take some time to learn more about American Humane's other work at AmericanHumane.org. Retirement can be scary, but only if you're not prepared. That's why AARP created thisispretirement.org. Because unless you've already retired, you're in pretirement and you still have time to plan. Learn about retirement savings options, potential tax breaks, and how you can build savings over time. Visit thisispretirement.org for free resources to help you customize your action plan and feel the retirement fear disappear. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Tired of all those talking heads down the dial who think they're always right? People need to just calm down. It's gotten ridiculous. Welcome to WCPT 820, where facts matter. Quite frankly, I get most of my news from you. This is WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. You're listening to WCPT 820. Here's the latest Chicago weather update. From the Weatherology Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki. We'll see sunny skies here for today with a high in the low 50s. Southwest winds around 5 to 10 miles per hour, gusting as high as 15. And then for tonight, partly cloudy, a low near 43. Friday, partial sunshine develops high around 56 degrees. Then by Saturday, a chance for rain showers, cloudy, high of 51. Sunday, partly sunny, high of 35. That's your latest Chicago weather update. Currently, it's 37. This is an announcement made spokesperson who is not a lawyer. The Pulaski Law Firm with main office in Houston, Texas, is the attorney responsible for the content of this announcement. This advertisement is not legal advice, and the choice of an attorney should not be based solely on advertisements. Services are not available in all states. Attention, previous patients or colleagues of Dr. Fabio Ortega. In 2022, Dr. Fabio Ortega was found guilty of sexual abuse of patients. Fabio Ortega's abuse occurred while he was serving as an OBGYN at North Shore University Health System and Swedish Covenant Hospital. If you are a patient of Dr. Fabio Ortega, call 800-892-0841. Dr. Ortega's employer. North Shore University Health and Swedish Covenant Hospitals failed to protect patients from crimes they knew he was committing. Pulaski Kirker is an expert in holding physicians and the institutions that hire them accountable while protecting confidentiality and the patient's emotional and mental state. If you were assaulted by Dr. Fabio Ortega, call Pulaski Kirker 24-7 at 800-892-0841 for a free confidential consultation. You don't pay anything unless we win. Call 800-892-0841. That's 800-892-0841. This is Ron Whittingham, and I'm co-owner of Megan Financial, an independent retirement and financial services firm here in Chicago. We've built our business on playing the long game. 
teaching financial literacy to our clients to prepare them for a great future and a dignified retirement. Investments, pensions, 401ks, they're all pretty complicated. We make sure that you understand it all. Give us a call at 708-444-1090. We're Megan Financial, and we're your partners in a happy retirement. Or visit us at megent.com. Securities and advisory services offered through Satara Advisors, LLC, member of FINRA SIPC, a broker-dealer and a registered investment advisor. Satara is under a separate ownership from any other named entity. The views depicted in this broadcast are general in nature and provided for informational use only. The views are not necessarily those of Satara Advisors, LLC. They should not be considered a specific investment or tax advice. All information is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Keep in mind that investing involves risk, including loss of principal. Investment decisions should be based upon an individual's own goal, time horizon, and tolerance for risk. Consult your investment and or tax professional regarding your unique situation. Hey, Google. Play WCPT. Streaming Chicago's progressive talk from TuneIn. We can change the world, change the world, change the world. We can change the world, we can change the world, change the world. This is the Santita Jackson Show. We've got Dr. Max Wolf here on the Santita Jackson Show, WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Let's talk about what's up with the down economy. I mean, what is up? What is up with inflation? Uh, somebody's saying it's down. You're telling me, no, I don't feel that. And President Biden's job approval Rating continues to take a hit, and there is a direct link, according to pollsters, to his job approval rating and the economy. Uh, And the latest CNN poll has him dropping to 37% approval, a signal that he's fallen into profound disfavor with the American public. So I want to know what what the deal is and and how we can all survive this at the end of the day. how can we survive this? Dr. Max Wolf, how are you doing? Good, good. Thank you for having me. I do think there's an interesting thing about the Biden poll numbers that people don't get, which is I don't think the Biden poll numbers have much of anything to do with Biden or his job, the job he's doing, which is much better by most standard metrics than those numbers. I think a lot of American politics today, including the Biden numbers, have to do with what's sometimes called the collapse of the middle. Hmm. So you have a political establishment that picked a candidate that appeals to the middle to beat somebody who had some unique personal attributes and was pretty far out on the right spectrum of standard American politics and who did shockingly well. I would call that the fall of the middle. And you have this guy in the middle, and he's doing pretty well, but his poll numbers say he isn't, but his performance is actually pretty good, but he doesn't get much credit for that. That's the fall of the middle. You have a very unusual set of, of beliefs around the Ukraine-Russia conflict. There's probably some t- heavy tampering now in public opinion on everything, but that looks to me like the fall of the middle. If you look at the sort of support for Israel versus support for Palestinian civilian casualties or interest in Palestinian casualties, you have a story of the collapse of the middle. If you look at whether or not to continue to extend the government's ability to fund itself, you have a collapse of the middle. If you look at the Republican Party looking for someone to run it because the middle collapse, courtesy of a fringy candidate, um, then you have a collapse of the middle. You have a month, money, money month clown show that gets someone who's pretty far out on the spectrum. 
right? In the Democratic Party, you see all kinds of disunity, too, around some issues that have historically not been so problematic because the Democratic Party has a collapse in the middle. And if you had the temperament to watch a few minutes of last night's heavy intellectual extravaganza on the Republican Party primary side, you could see a collapse of civility and a fading relationship with reality for some people and a collapse of the middle. Everybody's kind of ready to say, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm an extremist candidate in a country where historically everyone ran as a moderate. And I think too much shift too fast leaves the parties, the pundits and the polls a little behind the public. Well, I think you make a point. I mean, you do have Donald Trump, who many people feel is an extreme candidate, is, has extremist views. Um, an argument can be made for that. But that having been said, uh, you are you have someone who has always been a moderate, uh, moderate to conservative, at least within the Democratic context. And it's like water's not seeking its own level. It's like you're not punching at your own weight here. But the fact is, whatever the polls say, Americans are saying, I can't breathe. <laughs> I cannot afford. Uh, I, I can't afford the United States. I just can't afford. I can't afford my rent. I cannot afford my groceries. And people keep telling me that, I, that things are getting better. I'm like, I'm not crazy. Or am I? I think it's a little bit they are crazy. I think if you pretend something has been happening to you for 40 years and you wake up to it, it's hard to figure out what you're responding to that's happening now and what you're finally catching up to that's happened to you last year, the year before, the decade before, the decade before, the decade before, right? So I got in trouble for this comment, and it's definitely not meant to belittle anything or insult anyone, but I still don't know a better version. So I feel like the American middle class is largely the artist formerly known as the American middle class. Mm-hmm. And they're beginning the process of politically coming to with no purse in the back of a van. And that is a process that creates some charring swings in the understanding and trust patterns. And I think they're kind of, I think we're kind of there, right? And that's a tough place because it's hard to benchmark, right? How do you catch the level in this business, right? What's the level rate of inflation? What's the level rate of unemployment? What's the level rate of affordability? How much should a house cost, right? And if you if you sort of try to make a pattern out of it, the American middle class has been priced out of being middle class because they aren't anymore. And no one's going to tell them that. They're not going to get that. So you're going to have a wild process here where some people decide that it's, you know, whoever they're, people kind of decide that it is whoever they're comfortable blaming. Black people, immigrants, Jews, Republicans, Democrats, aliens, internet, whatever, right? It's going to be pick your own scapegoat or pick your own usual suspect and round them up. And that's also a process that collapses the political middle. Hmm. We're talking with Dr. Max Wolf about the economy, about Bidenomics, about how you are making it in this economy and what you can do to make it in this economy and how the economy is impacting the presidential election. He just made some profound, a profound uh, observation about uh, the position that President Biden is in, because, you know, it's inarguable. He's done a lot of great things. He has. And yet that's not making a dent in the poll numbers. Hmm, interesting. Paul from Seattle. Paul, what's on your mind today? 
Good morning, all. Uh, let me make a, a quick point about the poll numbers. I would put about as much stock in the poll numbers as I would in the two things that everybody has, which is an opinion and a rear end, so to speak. Mm. Uh, they are not actually, uh, don't want to get too much into the algebra, but the poll numbers are not taking large enough samples to make to mean anything. Uh, and they are now extrapolating. Uh, from small sample sizes, and all you have to do is be a volunteer at your local, oh, say, Democratic headquarters and do and do phone banking to find that if you work a three- or four-hour shift, you might get through to, I don't know, four or five people in that period of time. And you know what? The pollsters aren't having any easier time getting people to answer the phone. That's the first thing. Second thing is we have been hoodwinked, hornswoggled, and... You know, Snickers said, uh, this is inflation. I'm sorry. If it were inflation, if it were true market inflation, where that's uh, too many dollars chasing too few goods, okay, we would not be experiencing 5.2% quarterly growth. You see, they've been sweeping this under the rug, making us think, oh, it's the Biden economy that's inflation. But somehow, you see, inflation, it might be not good for the consumer because they have high price, but it's not good for the seller either because that means they don't have enough product, really, to stay in business. But somehow they're reporting huge profits, which means they have plenty of product, and they have been gouging us. They have been gouging us and simply testing what the heights and prices that market can bear because they know that people have jobs. And we see last quarter, third quarter, this 4.9% quarterly growth that was supposed to be adjusted down to, oh, we all thought it would go down to 4% or under 4%, adjusted upward to 5.2% means that's very robust. We had a Thanksgiving that was the fourth lowest uh, uh, comparative cost in 30 years. And then they said, oh, but Black Friday is going to blah, 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 was one of the most robust in in a, a decade. And we've been hearing for a year, Oh, the big crash of 2023 is going to be a, it's going to be a, a economic, uh, you know, recession. Haven't seen that. I don't think fourth quarter is lining up to be a recession either. So uh, I, I kind of agree with uh, the professor that uh, uh, people are, are simply repeating what they've been told by the corporate uh, right-wing media that, you know, you have a very bad economy. And people just don't know what else to say. Oh, it's a terrible economy. Yeah, because because they don't know what else to say. What they're experiencing, I don't think they really have a relative sense, uh, as I like the analogy there, they don't really have a relative sense to know what to compare it to. And uh, everybody, it's always easy to say, oh, everything's too expensive. I don't, that's right. I mean, it always seems, everything, everything has seemed too expensive for as long as I've been alive. And, yeah, and by the way, I've what? never been, over, well, I've never been overpaid is, either, so. Well, no, that's true. But the difference is a lot of people now, um, as long as we have been alive, now they can't go to the emergency room. Now they cannot afford groceries. I mean, I see them come to come to Rainbow Push all the time. I see them going to the churches. We had uh, Pastor Darius Brooks on, uh, who is giving away bags full of food every week, and the line continues to grow. He's giving away hundreds of bags of food to people who are driving luxury cars, Sometimes some no cars at all. I mean, there's something it seems like there's just something uh, that fundamentally needs to be changed. Stay right there, Paul. Dr. Wolf, why don't you speak to what Paul has just asserted? 
Yeah, so I think there's two things that are important. I think Paul sounds like he's very familiar and fluent with the sort of economic terminology, but it gets thrown around by journalists and absorbed by the public. And there are a lot of different levels of understanding, right? So inflation, I think he's correct on. Inflation is how much, what's the speed at which prices are rising. Since prices have risen, if if prices were unaffordable for you six months ago or 12 months ago, and they're only a little bit higher, it's going to help you very much, right? Because inflation is telling us how quickly they're going up. But if they've already reached or exceeded your affordability, then the fact that they're moving further and further out of view for you at a slower pace probably not going to hit you in like in terms of your general sentiment about how things are doing. I would make an argument that you never hear, which we know statistically to be true. I think it's always interesting when you don't hear them, which is a lot of the reason that more vulnerable people feel much poorer now is because they are. Hmm. And they are right. And they are what they don't understand is that's because all the pandemic era special support things were the largest reinvestment in the well-being of poor Americans in 40 years. And they worked. And they worked so well that they terrified people. And it became the number one priority of the Republican Party to fight them when they came in and then to cancel them as fast as possible. And I think for a lot of economically vulnerable people, their perception of the business cycle and the failure of the Biden administration is very much tied to a rapid and aggressive withdrawal of supports that were instituted during covid because the sort of disease rates slowed a bit, although they're still here, but the public didn't recover. So these people got help late in the process, but well late into the suffering associated with COVID, the economic suffering, leaving aside the sort of human, personal stuff and the psychological stuff. But then that was very aggressively withdrawn very quickly before there was any real economic recovery for that. And that late advance of some help and then rapid withdrawal of the help has put them on a sort of whiplash recession trajectory. So they, they report to you, hey, I'm having a recession. And they're, they're not wrong other than Paul's also right. Macroeconomically, that is not correct. Their identified cause of this whiplash and this decline in the economic activity is actually probably not correct, right? And this has been what I found, and maybe it sounds... Body, I don't mean it to, that the public is really good at knowing how they're doing. And that's not usually wise to second guess them, right? Partly because they hate it, but also partly because they kind of know what's happening in their apartment better than, than we do. But the reasons that they give for it is highly tied to organized campaigns of information, some of which border or cross the border into disinformation. Let you know me, what I mean? So, like, oh, yeah. yeah, I don't I mean, think. You know, you're right. You're absolutely right. And because the thing is, we just know how we feel. But really understanding the nuances, understanding, really understand. You know, you're in the we're in the midst, but we don't understand what we're in, Doctor Wolf. We really don't. We don't understand. Okay, real wages not moving for going toward half a century. What does that mean? What does what's all that mean? The best discipline in trying to understand things. I've ever learned or been able to try to teach anyone is the following. Any and every explanation that begins with they're evil or they're stupid leads you, even if you're correct in some cases, to a terrible place and is quite divisive, right? Real analytics, the best of human analysis, which is a wonderful thing, probably what makes us different than animals, although who knows, yet to be determined, I guess, is to say, what if they're not stupid? What if they're not evil? 
what do they see that I don't? Or how do they see what we both see differently, right? And so generally, although it's not foolproof and it can lead you astray sometimes, that's, for me, has been the best way to try to make sense of how the public sees the economy. Just For me, it's just a way to learn from someone else. Mm. Ted, what's on your mind today? Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you. And um, I got to tell you, I listen to your show every day, Santita, and I guess none of you live in the suburbs of Chicago. No, because I don't. Out, all right, well, out, yeah, out in the suburbs of Chicago, things are better than they've ever been. Mm-hmm. I see people with nicer cars, more home improvements to homes that are already max priced, less people working during the day than ever, uh, but yet everybody's complaining about the economy. It's never been better. Santina, there's a lack of gratitude here that I think God is ultimately going to punish. That's how bad it is. I well, see how good people this. have. Oh, yeah, go ahead. you're emotional about this. I hear that. Yeah. Talk to me. Well, because people don't show gratitude here in this great country that's given so much to everybody. I mean, I see them driving around in their way oversized, you know, ridiculous, nonsense, mm-hmm. giant cars in their beautifully well-kept, better-than-ever-before homes. Mm-hmm. And I hear you guys talking about how nobody has it. Yet I hear that we don't have enough workers. I see everybody hanging during the day, including myself, thank you, God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but, uh, you know, and, and I just don't, this disconnect is just disgraceful. Well, let, how let, good me, let me, have let me, and how let little me, they're granted. Well, no, let me explain some of it to you, because I know I'm very grateful sure. to this country, and I'm from a people who were enslaved directly and, yeah. and, and Native American people who were disenfranchised from their lands. I mean, that's my direct family link, right? And, and Irish my, people, you know, you know and, and Irish people who came, I'm just trying to give you a little bit of my background, right? That having been said, down the street from me, there are people who don't have heat in their homes. It's not that they don't work every day. I see people across the street from me. They're the essential workers. They're the ones who work straight through the pandemic. They don't have enough money. And it's not that they're overspending. They don't have enough money to overspend. I see who comes through Rainbow Push throughout the week. People are hungry. You're right. There's a disconnect between affluent communities and working class and poor communities. And I'm just trying to explain to you that it does exist, not because people are lazy, and that's not what you were charging. It's not because people are ungrateful. No, it's people are not, people are underpaid. For example, it takes black women 10 and a half months to make, 10 and a half months or more to make what a white man makes in 12 months. It makes me 20, it takes me 22 and a half months. Indigenous women, it takes them 23 and a half months. So there is a, a pay gap for women. There's a wealth gap that exists between blacks and whites. Black women look up and at the end of our work lives, we're missing a million dollars because we've been underpaid. And what I'm saying to you is I hear you, great opportunity, but the opportunity's not been spread around evenly, Ted. And so when you have that, it's not that you have ingratitude. The thing is, I want part of the American dream, too. I just don't want it to be my nightmare. But stay right there, Ted, because I think that uh, perhaps, and I want you to engage us. I don't want you to leave, Ted. I want, want us to talk with one another because I, I hear your emotion, and I want to engage you. Dr. Wolf. Yeah, so I think I understand exactly what Ted is saying, and I don't think that what you and Ted are saying are necessarily incommensurate. They couldn't line up. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of people who are doing pretty well in the U.S. 
And it's in vogue right now for them to poo-poo the economy, poo-poo the White House, poo sort of put down the politicians. I mean, they have good reasons for some of that, but they do a lot of it. And there's a lot of, you know, whatever I have, I ought to have more, right? And I think that's kind of a classic definition of an ingratitude. And I also think there's a reality here, which is the world is changing fast. It's changing in many ways. Some of those are going to be hard for America as an entity, hard for the American middle class. And a lot of people who are busy putting down their present circumstance are going to reflect on it real fondly in the not too distant future. And it's hard to see that. I think that might be what Ted is saying. And we see it in the numbers, too, by the way. So we see a lot of communities and a lot of people who are getting incredible amounts out of this economy in this country and who have decided that they should be kind of responding to that with an ever more avaricious critique of how much they didn't get that they want and how much more they want. And if they have one fancy car, they want two. And if they have one fancy home, they want a bigger one or a second one. And that always coincides side by side with want. Because if some people are getting too much and are not appreciative of enough, there's people out there who aren't getting enough. They're kind of, they are always together, those facets in a society. What, Ted, are you still there? I am, and that was brilliant. That was brilliant, Dr. Wolf, no doubt. Absolutely. That, that sums it up nice. Yeah. Ted, I've got one minute for you before, before Dr. Wolf closes everything out. Okay, thanks, Santita. Everybody, join me. Drop to your knees and say thank you, God, for the unbelievable life you've given me, and help me to be help me to have gratitude about the things I have, rather than always looking at what I don't have. I mean, we got to have gratitude here. Uh, I've never uh, again. Let's uh, uh, He said it right. He said. Well, can you know? May I add to your prayer? Let us pray yes, that, that the structural inequalities that have, that have disadvantaged some and advantaged okay. others will be healed. There is a breach. There is a breach. I got you. But that is not a prayer, Santita, because look no, at no, all no, the, no, no, the no, jokes. No, 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 it is because I, I, you know, my parents worked for Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Before Dr. King, I mean, Dr. King got his Ph.D., but he was first a man of the cloth. And he felt that poverty was a sin. That in a world made by God, for any of God's children to be hungry, to be homeless, to be unhoused, to be unclothed, to not be able to actualize themselves, is shameful. And some people are brokenhearted, Ted. Um, and so when you ask people to drop to their knees, particularly when they have been dropped to their knees, the people of Tulsa, uh, they had a bomb dropped on them which dropped them to their knees. It was the first time a bomb was dropped in America, on American soil, and it was dropped by the white citizens of, uh, of Tulsa on black people. So I want us to look at the whole thing, and I think that if we look at the whole thing, we can come up with holistic answers that will help everybody. Okay, so I just want you to just, just think about that, okay? Ted? Well, just think about think about that. Think about that. I'm saying drop to your knees. I hear you. I hear you. America's a great place, but America needs to be a fair place. And it has not been that for everybody. And we have to be honest about that. So when you say that to a people who have been enslaved, who did not work for free, but who were not paid 
for their work. When you talk to indigenous people upon whose land we sit, who were not paid for their land, who had their land stolen from them, now people feel in some kind of way. When you have people who are brought into this country so that we can still underpay them, they're feeling some kind of way. And can you make it in spite of all of that? Yeah, but should you have to? No. So we still have a wealth gap. We still have a pay gap. And those breaches need to be healed, everybody. So get on your knees and pray for that. And then when you get up, work to end that so that everybody can get a bite at the apple from the tree of life. Everyone deserves that. Sending you much love, Dr. Wolf. Much, 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 much love. It needs to be part of your prayer. Oh, always, always. Sending you much love, everybody. God bless you. Can't wait to be with you tomorrow on the Santita Jackson Show. Alex, thank you for a great show. Stepping in for everybody this week. Sending you much love. Morning stars, I love you. I'm running today. My eyes are driving me crazy, so I'm trying to get to the ophthalmologist after I run a few other errands. But I love you. God bless everybody.